0: but it doesn't start you know at the performance level perhaps our conversation may you know sound as if you know we are focusing on performance but I want from the grassroots from the from the early you know stages of sport participation coaches to understand that the way they lead the way that they relate and communicate is absolutely paramount for for um, for these young people to maintain their involvement in their sport and engagement uh, in their sport the long term.
1: Hello and welcome back to the Supporting Champions podcast. I'm Steve Ingham and if this is your first time tuning in, then you're in for a treat. This is where we explore the often invisible aspects of achieving greatness, and aspiring to perform, whether in sport, business, or life in general. We're not just about the headlines here. We're about the fine print, the strategies, the setbacks, and the comebacks that make the journey worthwhile. And we talk to experts from various fields, from coaches and scientists to leaders, and of course, performers, those people who are out there trying. So it's not just about the performers. These are also about the people behind the scenes, the ones who are making champions what they are. This podcast isn't just for the elites or the top professionals. It's for anyone who believes in pushing their own boundaries, who believes in the power of progress over perfection. It's for anyone who's committed to improving, to learning and to taking action. Whether you're a student, a professional or someone simply interested in personal growth, there's something here for you. So if you're ready to dig deeper and apply some real world insights to your own life, you're in the right place. Let's get started with today's episode. Today, we're diving into a topic that sits at the very heart of performance, yet is often overlooked, the coach-athlete relationship. And I couldn't think of anyone better to discuss this with than our guest today, Sophia Jowett. So Sophia is Professor of Psychology at Loughborough University, and she's a leading expert in the field, known for her extensive research and innovative models that explore the dynamics between coaches and athletes. And she's got a knack for breaking down complex ideas into memorable acronyms and alliterations, making the science not just accessible, but also unforgettable. Today, we'll be delving into how the landscape of coaching has evolved over the years, the psychological underpinnings of successful coach-athlete relationship, and even the challenges and conflicts that can arise. We'll also touch on the broader implications of her work, including the parallels into the business world and evolving roles of coaches. So whether you're a coach, an athlete or someone interested in the psychology of high performance, this episode is packed with insights that you won't want to miss. So let's get into the discussion. Well, welcome Sophia. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. How are you?
0: Thank you very much, Steve. It's wonderful to be here with you today. I am very well. Thank you.
1: Fantastic. I'm really looking forward to getting into your topic of expertise around coach and athlete relationships and so important. And I remember when you were involving me in some of those discussions and interviews and and I've been keeping track over the years. Um, It's so great to see the insights. And what I really love about your work is the models that you've created Um, There's some impressive model-making going on, Sophia. Um, Some great acronyms, alliterations, which actually I really admire in the sense of, you know, it makes it difficult when research comes out and and it becomes quite forgettable. So um, congrats on the acronym uh, creations as well as the the research. Um, But could you just give me a bit of an introduction as to why you got into this area? Why did you start exploring this area of coach and athlete relationships
0: okay um so um why did i start Uh, i was an athlete myself many 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 years ago i represented greece in fact as a a junior um in athletics and uh, in that time i had uh, three wonderful coaches uh, but one was more wonderful than the other two and um um I started noticing that the the importance of interactions, of of how people communicate, and uh, whilst you know as an athlete, you you don't particularly pay attention, um when I decided to um uh, kind of uh, close that chapter of of my sporting career and and start a new chapter of uh, an academic. Uh, career. I thought it would be good to, to have a look at, um, those interactions between coaches and athletes. And as I was looking at the literature, Steve, what struck me particularly was that we looked at the interpersonal dynamics between coaches and athletes from a, a leadership, um, lens. And, and for me, whilst that was an important way to, to look at, at how coaches, um, what coaches do in order to influence athletes uh, performance uh, and and well-being. I, I felt that it was one way it was just unidimensional, uh, you know what coaches do uh, and we forget what athletes do and how influence uh, and how um, athletes influence the athletes and this bidirectionality and reciprocity that exists in coaches and athletes um, actions, interactions, feelings and and, and thoughts. Um, so I, um, I did a master's degree at at Loughborough University and uh, then a a PhD at the University of Exeter where uh, I started delving into uh, the the interpersonal dynamics between coaches and athletes from a relationship angle because I thought there was a a gap there. Um, That was really my main interest. First, my personal experiences, uh, identifying that there is something in the ways uh, coaches and athletes um, uh, work and um, in the gap in the literature when I came mm. to understand what is out there.
1: So that was a bit of a lived experience of of seeing, oh, I'm, I'm uplifted by this coach and maybe I'm a, a bit knocked down from, from another that was yeah. at, at least in the back of your mind as a reference point uh, that uh, that you've been through. That's interesting. And then if I'm just interpreting that, that uh, observation of – leadership qualities of coaches to a certain extent is that is that the fact that coaches were sort of researched in terms of what they transmit the sort of a one-way lighthouse this is the way to be a coach this is how to coach this is how to give to the world as opposed to recognizing how is that light received what's the What's the effect of that and and what's the interplay between two different people?
0: Yeah, yes, I think so. I think so. I mean, you have to go back 30 years um, and, you know, predominantly at that time and as sports psychology started to to kind of exist and and flourish and and develop, um, leadership and the way, you know, coaching was you know happening was 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 really around what coaches do. Uh you know the coaches were the protagonists, coaches were at the heart of coaching. And um, there was a buoyant uh, literature around coaching outside sports psychology. So it, it was you know a little bit more easy perhaps to or easier to transfer that work across to sports psychology. And as things were happening, you know, I suppose coaches were Very important, very significant. Um, And it was the kind of a natural sort of um, way uh, to, to focus on, on coaches. Uh, But, you know, over the years, um, and we have talked a lot about coach-centered coaching in the literature, have we not? And in fact, it it is so popular um, uh, in, in, in lay people's uh, uh, dialogues and and interactions uh, in our sport communities. Coach-centered approach Um, have a place, but we seem to have moved now from this coach-centered coaching approach, from the coach-centered approach to coaching to the athlete-centered approach to coaching. And athlete has become, you know, the center of of everything and and the focus of our attention, and rightly so. But I think the pendulum, actually, uh, Steve, has swung far too far (laughs) and, um, Whilst the athlete should be uh, our protagonist and should be at the heart of coaching, I I think at the centre of it should be the coach-athlete, what these two people together do. Uh, And um, more recently, I have introduced this idea of coach-athlete-centred approach to coaching to emphasise that the contributions that the coach and the athlete um, make is what should be uh, at the at the center of our attention. You know, this joint contributions. We want both coaches and athletes to work together, because it is not what it is not just what coaches do, but there is so much what athletes can do, and they've got they've got so much information. Our athletes that can help coaches to do things better, and if we don't tap into that resource, I think we are really um, missing out.
1: Mm. And uh, why do you say that you thought the pendulum has swung a bit too far? What are the observations that that are giving you that sense?
0: Yes, I, I think that um, the athlete centered uh, approach to coaching and and the way that I understanding from from an academic point of view, reading at the literature, but also how perhaps coaches interpret it in in, in their workplace in in their practices, is that. We put a little bit too much emphasis, too much focus on on, on the athletes. We, we expect and need and require too much from, from athletes. Um, we expect them to, to know their needs, to know their wants, to um, know why they do what they do. And they may not be ready to have all this information. You know, we may disadvantage them, but by expecting... All that much from from the athletes, and I think what is important, as I said, is to perhaps reposition that you know emphasis to either or to both of them, and then I suppose is where we really truly position the relationship that these people uh, develop to the center of, of the coaching process.
1: Mm. So interesting. So it's it's interesting to hear your take on how things have changed over time. And so, since you've started researching this, these dynamics, can you look back now and see any attributes, any dynamics that were prevalent then that are much less prevalent or accepted today?
0: I I think what I see uh, today, and and particularly that uh, becomes more obvious if you look at high profile coaches, Um, uh, for example, I I will just throw a few names. You you help me here. But, you know, people like uh, Pep Guardiola, um, Jörg Klopp, um, who who are continuously on, on the media, even Jose Mourinho and other such coaches, they have talked very openly about the importance of relationships, the importance of working with their athletes, the importance of understanding, of knowing, um, you know, really, you know, kind of connecting with the athletes, not not just working in distance uh, from from them, but really working very closely. So I, I think these coaches have really. Brought to the attention of everybody that this way of doing things is is probably a better way than what we used to do, and let's also forget not forget that we have moved. You know, uh, today I I I call it modern coaching. The modern coaching today, Mm -hmm. the contemporary coaching, is very different from what uh, was when I was an athlete. For example, I was never asked by my coach. What are your goals? What are your your aspirations? Where where do you want to go? You know, how long? Um, What is your purpose here? I was never asked anything. Uh, And and that is not, I think, atypical of that time. But it would be very atypical today if if we don't ask our athletes, you know, what are your goals? What are your aspirations? Or even when they don't know themselves to help them you know and understand why they're doing what what they're doing does
1: this help at all yeah i think so i mean i think certainly the the breadth of athletes that i've encountered over the years as i'm just listening to you there i'm thinking about sometimes you you want athletes to be really engaged with you and so you want them to be leaning forward interested asking questions getting into some of the detail those are sort of signals and clues that they are bought in and that they are discerning and that they are looking for ways to adopt new practices to improve, you don't want them to do it too much <laughs> in the sense that you don't want them to obsess, um, get stressed mm-hmm. by the pursuit of every single little thing. And but so,
0: also, sorry, Steve, yeah.
1: Well, yeah, just just in the sense of the the breadth of, of – Of the other end of the the spectrum, sometimes athletes just want to turn up. Tell me what I need to do. I I, I don't want this big long discussion about what are we going to do today. How did I feel it went? That's up for you to do. And so I see that sort of a a range of, of of different perspectives, and both can perform extraordinarily well to a certain degree. And I guess the modern coach, what you're saying, isn't necessarily you have to. You have to have one or the other, you've got to be able to flex and bend to the needs of different perspectives.
0: Pre- precisely. And that is the the, the, the idea and the strength of, of of really coaching with that sort of notion that the relationship that you develop is your medium. To, to performance success, to skill development, and to personal satisfaction and fulfillment, because you do have, like you said, a range of athletes um, in front of you as a coach. And some athletes will lean in; they will be very engaged, very motivated, inherently, you know, bursting out of, you know, um, you know, no wanting to do their best. But others may be may wanting it, but in a different way, and maybe others. Not knowing that they want it to be, you know, the next Olympic champion, but they want to try it. Um, so we, we've got different personalities, the different characters, different attitudes. We don't know who is going to be the best athlete of them all. You know, they have different qualities, but I think the relationship will help to uncover You know, and and provide, you know, this diversity and inclusion that we need in sport. You know, we don't want coaches to be biased toward those who lean in uh, uh, versus to those who are perhaps a little quiet, a little bit reserved, a little bit different. You know, every every, each one of them needs unlocking, needs different kind of buttons, different uh, cause to strike. And the relationship is the medium that helps the coach uncover the, the, the talent and there are so many coaches out there high profile coaches I can mention uh, Markus Weiss um, uh, um, an amazing coach uh, um, coached the um, the German uh, women's uh, team in 2004 in Athens uh, they got a gold medal uh, then Markus Weiss uh, moved to the men's game uh, they won a medal in Beijing gold uh, with the men's and then he won uh, again uh, gold here in in uh, in london in 2012 um, so a coach who has really is one of those serial winning coaches has spoken so um so clearly and and so um what is the word uh, acknowledging and recognizing the power of relationships
1: and this is this is ultimately the center of Um, I guess the tenet that you're putting forward and I I read in frequently in your work uh, the coach-athlete relationship is the most important relationship developed in sport Um, that that sense of that's that's where it's at (laughs) of all the relationships that, that go on that's the most important influential significant for for the athlete and the coach
0: yeah, yeah. I, I think Steve, that you know, the, we often think, you know, the the coach and the athlete as two groups. I really feel that the coach and the athlete for one team one group whether it is an individual sport or a team sport and often and and you may correct me here and this is you know something that I'm just contemplating at the moment we often see the coach outside of the team or squad of players or athletes I I want to see the coach and the coaches if there is a team of coaches as part of the team as one uh, with very strong connections with the athletes and of course this will have a spillover effect between athletes to to develop, you know, a a good level of of cooperation and and commitment amongst themselves. Um, So for me, the coach and the athlete are at the center and what defines coaching and the effectiveness and success uh, of coaching. And Mm -hmm. I would also like, you know, national governing bodies, uh, sport organization to, to see those two people together, not as separate groups.
1: Oh, it's interesting, I, I'm, and I'm picking up the tweet that you responded to, and Steve Kerr, and and a monologue, at a press conference, I believe it was, about look, it's their team; they have to take responsibility and sort of and and impressing upon the team about the accountability that they they show. Is that right?
0: That's right. Yes. Yeah. For me, you know, account- accountability and responsibility lies um, in both the coach and the athlete. And um, um I want this to be to be understood. I mean, you know, if if, if we think of businesses, for example, a manager is part yeah. of the team, is working together. And th- that's why I would also like to see a little bit more conceptually the coaches to start thinking themselves as part of the team, responsible and accountable as much as the athletes. And of course, you know, uh, from professional football we will know that um there, there is a accountability, accountability and responsibility uh, from all parts involved, and I was about to say that you know if the team doesn't uh, you know uh, uh, perform well, the coach might be fired or the athletes uh, will be. Uh, mm. You know,
1: uh, mm, it's an interesting yeah. one. I, I certainly res- contemplated that thought myself and had that same parallel mm. to to the leader worker relationship in business, and and I. And I I think that there is probably a need for some degree of separation. There is going to be a need for for a little bit of distance because the leader is holding tensions that the worker wouldn't necessarily be feeling every day and have to make decisions that wouldn't please all the workers all the time. And and I think so that, that requirement for a coach who has to make selection decisions, if they're too integrated it's going to be harder for them to make cleaner performance-based decisions or what's best for the team so that's that was that was where my head went to as you were talking and when i when i looked at the steve kerr clip too um but but i think though Fundamentally that we and as a scientist, I see this all the time where oh we've got to try and get buy-in from the coaches or the athletes. we need to try and find learn ways to to persuade them to to do jedi mind tricks on them and I, and actually what what I'm hearing is why don't you sit down and work it out together? <laughs> as the leader and the worker might do as the coach and the athlete might do, mm. if you've got a problem in front of you, and you've got competing views, you probably need to find better ways to to work through problem-based learning, as opposed to trying to out-argue each other. That's That was my kind of yeah. rationale for that.
0: Yes. Uh, yeah. I, I, I certainly agree. Um, the, the coach and the athlete have got different roles to play, but that doesn't prevent them from being part of, of, a, of a team where they can work together, resolve issues, uh, And understand, you know, the, uh, the the goals and uh, the program and uh, have a, have a common ground, as I, as I say. But the only way that they will, you know, the coach and the athlete will develop a common ground, a a common purpose is by speaking to one another, opening to one another, uh, understanding uh, one another. And and the relationship, that quality relationship uh, will be the medium that will allow them to to reach that, I I think, um, but but also the 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 other point I would like to stress here, which might be important to highlight, is that um, I, I want coaches to appreciate that. The 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 relationship whilst will provide an important medium uh, to their success um, and to the, the you know to to find well being um, within themselves in terms of personal satisfaction um, and and personal thriving um, is that I, I won't I would hate to see uh, and I do see occasionally coaches who um, Develop strong links, harmonious, healthy, strong, good quality relationships with some athletes, whilst they haven't got a clue about some other athletes within the same squad or um, the same team. You know, and and they they you know there is some sort of caution here to to um to to put in that. I will hope that coaches are objective and and they care about their relationships with each one athlete in the team and squad uh, that they have and they work um, uh, together. Otherwise, it will create biases uh, and and will create uh, difficulties when it comes to taking uh, decisions, important Mm. decisions.
1: Yeah. Okay. So that's an an important health check in terms of just thinking, oh, you've got some healthy relationships, but that doesn't mean necessarily you're good at coach-athlete relationships (laughs) if you can do it time and time again with a variety of backgrounds with a variety of diversity of of uh of personalities and and perspectives and so that probably leads to that idea of versatility and um and, and and how you can connect with a variety of different people so from your work what What have you found to be the components of a successful coach athlete relationship? Um, Is it, is it, um, oh, I'll I'll, I'll leave it with that question. I've got a follow up question about the athletes too.
0: Okay. Right. So um, that was one of the first questions uh, I asked myself when I started this line of of work. You know, what what does a good quality relationship look like? You know, what is a good relationship? Uh, What do we mean? What do we refer to? when we talk about a good quality relationship. So we've done a lot of research, um, Steve, as you know, uh, 20 years uh, plus worth of research to try to answer this question. So I can tell you with uh, uh, some degree of confidence that I think we have um, uh, kind of uh, found an answer until, of course, another answer comes uh, around. (laughs) But uh, for now...
1: uh, I like like that though, but is it that, you know, well, without getting to the answer, but the three plus one, it sort of acknowledges that we're evolving, we're changing. Yeah, okay. So, I'll I'll leave you to answer before I start interrupting. That's correct.
0: Yes, indeed. So, it is an evolving uh, field. So, um, uh, what we know now, having um, consulted um, and and, uh, interviewed Reviewed hundreds of coaches and athletes, and tested uh, thousands of coaches and athletes over this time. Uh, we know that the coach-athlete relationship, um, as you will imagine, is is, is complex, and and it's uh, it's very difficult to capture. But uh, our research suggests that we've got four components that can define a good quality relationship. Uh, the first one is closeness. The second is commitment complementarity and co-orientation so four c's Uh, closeness uh, very briefly i will refer to each one of these uh, uh, dimensions Mm. or components uh, refers to coaches and athletes um, uh, interpersonal feelings uh, the the extent to which they feel affectively um, uh, connected uh, and key qualities or Uh, relational properties that um, are included in this um, uh, dimension of closeness uh, are uh, trust, respect, appreciation and interpersonal liking. So these are the the four relational properties uh, around closeness, and if mm. coaches and athletes uh, have high levels of trust for one another, high levels of respect, high levels of appreciation for the for their efforts, and um, uh, liking each other. Yeah, that's uh, an
1: interesting one, and and um, so seeing that on the model made me oh, made me stop and think at a moment. Um, can I just can I just riff on that a little bit before we go on to the next ones? Um, because it was it was sort of a little bit. It felt like that closeness element was similar to the the trust equation. I think it was Charles Green. Um, trust, uh, reliability, credibility, and intimacy. That part felt like it was similar. Intimacy, which is often misinterpreted, but ultimately is about how how you connect with others, and. I, I noticed liking. It was interesting because often you hear we don't have to like each other to get yes. along. You know, you hear this all the time. <laughs> of course, but you probably do. Probably <laughs> in teams, actually. Perhaps first and foremost, maybe in in you're paying me to do work relationships, like in in business. But that was interesting that that surfaced. I said, actually, I need to get on with you a bit like an executive coach. You might have a familiarity session. I've got to get on with you bef- mm. before I can commit to to working with you.
0: Sure, yeah. I, th- I think, you know, all coaches, uh, um, not, not so much athletes actually, but the coaches do stop me uh, – or to stop themselves and and think a little bit uh, Mm -hmm. about uh, this particular relational property. But I think liking is important and it is worth paying attention because uh, I I don't think any one of us will disagree that uh, when we like people, we can work a little bit better with them than when we dislike them. Um, And um, I think uh, perhaps for some, maybe not necessary, but... uh, uh, what i say you know just think how life will, will have been if it if if you did like uh, your your athlete indeed you did deeply like you know the, the the person that they are or the ways that they interact or indeed the the, the foods that they eat or the the music that they listen uh, and it's very easy to develop liking you know you just need to get to know the other person and as soon mm-hmm. as you find some commonalities you have strike uh you know that that kind of uh, of bond um, that a like um, uh, promotes. Um, but I, I think the other thing that is dangerous if you also um, don't like somebody um, as opposed to liking, is that it creates biases, negative biases. Um, and uh, if you like, particularly, which is you know, human nature, one athlete, but uh, you dislike another, you are more likely to give a certain training uh, to that athlete that perhaps it's um, better because you pay attention because you like that person for wh- wh- whatever reasons. Uh, and though that in that athlete that you dislike, you, you give. Um, that to that athlete, a little less time, uh, you know, a little less um, um, attention. Uh, you notice him or her a little less and so on and so forth. You, you see what I'm saying? Mm. So liking can be, can introduce negative bias that uh, I, I would like to try to avoid. And that's why I say to coaches, well, just think about it. And, and is it a way that the person that you thought that you dislike can um, you you can find some commonalities to help you develop some some bond and and address a little bit that mm. that relational property that perhaps you think is is less important, uh, but I think it is important if you dive you know deep down.
1: And, and maybe I can ask you a little bit about how you uncovered these in a moment, but but I can certainly think of a few cases, highly successful coaches, mm-hmm. highly successful athletes. And co- coaches who I've I've worked alongside, I didn't like them. I don't think the athletes liked them. They trusted them. They appreciated them. They respected them. There wasn't an openness, but there was honesty. Mm. The, so there was a close, a degree of closeness. It was almost like they're fulfilling some of these yes. aspects. Well, probably enough. As in, you're getting me results. It's a it's a relationship of sorts, and a lot of the other components, the the other Cs of the the model, were fulfilled. Um, mm. But yeah, we don't need to get on
0: um yeah 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 yeah. you you sound very transactional and and that works we know that Uh, that is absolutely fine and if there is trust and there is respect and appreciation but you lack on on lacking or on on liking I'm sorry um then you know the average for closeness will be still high I I only kind of um, you know and, and this has come through the research and through the interviews through you know speaking with coaches and athletes I only kind of and um, you find that into uh, the, the closeness uh, dimension only because coaches and athletes have said that liking actually makes life a little bit easier. Uh, yeah. and, and the same, you know, coach uh, athletes, particularly athletes, particularly. And, and Steve, I will take you back in your school years when you said to your mother or 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 or, or your father that, you know what, I don't like my teacher. That's why I'm not doing very well, you know. And I, I hear it that from my own kids. Um when you don't like somebody or indeed hate somebody, it's very difficult to work. And you may have respect and appreciation, but there is something, you know, that spice mm. perhaps that is lacking. Um yeah.
1: yeah, there's a there's a bounce and an energy that you want to return in tomorrow. There's a there's a pull. Um I will work for you. Um, we get on and so I'm going to give my best. So yeah, I can see that. All right. Interesting. So go on, move, move us along through the model. We, we okay. sort of delved on closeness there, but uh, tell us more.
0: All right. So we've got another three uh, Cs and the next is commitment. Um, commitment uh, reflects coaches and athletes' intentions, um, motivations or willingness to maintain a close partnership over a period of time. And that is important uh, because uh, we all know that uh, skill development, performance success um, doesn't happen overnight. You need to, to stay with each other for a period of time uh, to check and challenge each other and so on and so forth. Also, commitment seems to be the glue that connects the coach and the athlete in difficult times, In particularly. We know that you know, coaches and athletes have highs and lows, but commitment is the glue that connects next them, particularly in times where they are challenging, they are difficult, um, such as performance uh, dips uh, or, or slums, uh, injury, burnout, uh, personal circumstances that individuals have, uh, you know, do go through in their lives, uh, and, and so on and so forth. So commitment um, um, is um this intention to maintain the relationship uh, over time. So I want to be coached by this coach this season, but also the next and the next and uh, correspondingly for the, for the coach. And
1: and so is that, that's, that's a sense of, um, we're in this together. I'm going to turn up, you're going to turn up, we're going to work at this. Um, but also I've got your back, um, a sense of, of I value you and I'm going to support you through this process, through the, f- no matter what.
0: It is very much yes. Uh, p- primarily, it's about reliability. It's about consistency, uh, and it's about um, you know working extra hard for the other person. Uh, I dare I say sacrificing? But I know high performance mm. doesn't doesn't like that. But it is about sacrificing time, sacrificing. Um, uh, one's effort for for the other person going the extra mile
1: does this get overplayed um in the sense of first in the car park last out um i'm at every single session even if i don't necessarily need to be a sense of i've got to show commitment at a 100 percent at personal cost and I don't necessarily need to do that. There's a little bit of empowerment that perhaps sometimes could, could come in as I'm not going to be there tomorrow. I want you to do this, this and this and run it yourself sure. as opposed to a supervisory role for everything.
0: Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, I d- totally agree. It's that—that that is commitment. It's—it's a—it's—it's a, it's, um relying on others that they will do what you know um you have set out to do, um and that comes with understanding and knowledge. Uh, so it's it's consistency, it's reliability, uh, it's the commitment, it's going the extra mile, whether it is with or without you, in the presence uh, of each other. It doesn't really matter.
1: Okay. Doesn't really yeah. matter. Uh,
0: so um closeness commitment and now complementarity complementarity is synonymous to cooperation so complementarity i could have chosen cooperation i chose complementarity for a, a number of reasons but um cooperation um so it kind of identifies and uh, defines uh, coaches and athletes um acts of cooperative interactions and um here we we we've got two sets of behaviors that we expect the coach and the athlete to manifest and exhibit in training and competitions the first is what we call the um corresponding type of behaviors where we expect both the coach and the athlete to um express uh, receptiveness responsiveness um um comfort uh, comfort and uh, ease at each other's presence um um demonstrate a uh, friendly stance and so on and so forth uh, whereas the reciprocal type of behaviors reflect coaches and athletes um specific roles that they take um as part of, of um, being in the relationship so the coach has got certain role to a certain role to play the athlete will will have a, a different role and the the way we see it is that we expect that the coach um Di- being able to lead, to direct, to instruct, to provide feedback. Uh, these are the main kind of uh, characteristics, uh, behaviors, and uh, the athlete to be able to filter in the information that they get uh, from from the coach, uh, the, able- the ability to execute, uh, and so on. Um, and that is complementarity in a nutshell, so hmm. cooperation.
1: Okay, wonderful. So that, that it, it's the it's the equation of how your work is being received and, and integrated and the balancing of that uh, between two people.
0: That's right. Yes, it is the give and take, uh, Steve, the way I see it. And, you know, um, when we talk about responsiveness, for for example, you know, it is how does the coach respond to what I do? And how does the coach respond to what the athlete just did or is about to do? It's just that, that um, it's a synchronization and coordination of, of responses.
1: This is a complete tangent. So, Stop me if i'm I'm going into waters that you either have or haven't um, looked into, but the complementarity sort of suggests a two way relationship. Now that's going to be occurring in multiple directions with multiple athletes so if you've got a squad, for example. but modern teams have multiple inputs and multiple voices or people responsible for different aspects, whether it's a performance director, a performance manager, a support team. You saw Wimbledon recently where Djokovic was tipping the hat to the whole of craft's team. Mm-hmm. The, the team behind the team is now a significant agent in, in what an athlete receives and experiences. How does this then start to change when the complementarity is extraordinarily complex, with three, four, five, six different people coming into to play and complicating how things are received?
0: Ah, uh, such a great question, and um, I, I'm not quite sure whether I will satisfy you with my answer. But uh, if I if I can um, use two uh, two responses, the first one will be. You know, the, the research we have done thus far is um, having the coach and the athlete under the microscope. You know, we, we we really haven't really, you know, paid too much attention about the network of relationships around, you know, this central point that we call coach-athlete. Um, but uh, of course, there is a network of relationships around the coach and the athlete. You know, the principal coach that works with the athlete very closely and there will be the strength and conditioning coach, there will be the physio, there will be um, uh, other people in, in the team that make Djokovic or Alcaraz who they are as, as a performer. Um, but um, what I will expect uh, is that the relationships that are developed uh, you, you can't use the, the, the four C's or the three C's plus one to profile and uh, help you understand the, the quality of the relationship and where they are at, they are at. Um, but most of our, of our research as you very well know, it is really looking at that microscopic or the, 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 the at the heart of, of that system uh, that exists uh, uh, you know, particularly in high performance.
1: Well, I might come back to your or one of your other models with C's in it, uh, Compass, because that conflict aspect I think is really interesting in teams. Mm. Um, but anyway, I'll, I'll I'll pause there and and maybe move on to the final. Is this is this the plus one bit? The the last one is this the plus one? It's sort of been added on later. Is there a background to that story at all?
0: Of course there is. As always, there is a, a story. Um, we started uh, this research um, in the early 2000 and uh, what we had, we had uh, three Cs. <laughs> but the three Cs um, were the following, closeness, co-orientation and complementarity. Um, but um, over the years and doing some sophisticated analysis, statistical analysis, and you know, kind of progressing uh, the work, commitment came into into being. And th- there were a couple of things. First, orientation—the way we were trying to measure it—did uh, not quite work out. Uh, so we had to alter a little bit about how we conceptualized and how we operationalized and how we measured <laughs> orientation, and then commitment. Uh, uh, took its place, pushed orientation out a little bit, and uh, it, it is where we are.
1: <laughs> so so just just uh, come back to this because this is in this I think this is really interesting, but 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 just tell us coorientation, just give us a sort of background and definition of that.
0: okay, so co-orientation, uh, co orientation reflects very simply reflects coaches and athletes uh, shared. Uh, mutual knowledge and understanding. I mentioned a little bit earlier about the common ground that these two individuals develop, which is absolutely paramount and and significant. Uh, And it starts with knowing and understanding their own relationship, the, the relationship that they have with one another. Do they understand what type of relationship they they have? Is it good or bad? Where where are they uh, relative to the three Cs, for example? Are they discrepant in their views or are they similar in their views? And of course, the co-orientation can can really be transferred, transported, uh, expanded to other aspects, such as their goals, for example. Are we on the same, you know, wavelength with what we are trying to achieve? You know, is the the, the program of, of, um, of training that we have uh, understood by both of us and so on and so forth. So co-orientation is much bigger, uh, but for now and for the, um, the purpose of, of this discussion is um, about sharing a, an understanding of where our relationship is and how um, similar or different uh, it is, uh, is of interest uh, here.
1: And and what's the sort of facilitating behaviour there? Is that is that a sense of every now and again saying how are we getting on? You know, is that what's the what's the discussion there?
0: Of course, Steve, you will know. I'm pretty sure that you know. Um, you, you can have a discussion today and know about things that are happening, and you may be very comfortable that you know the the athlete and the athlete knows you because you have discussed. But if you leave it to hear it now and and you never speak with that athlete again for several months, <laughs> uh, it, it may be that your common ground has shrunk because you know uh, things happen and um, you just haven't been you know, uh, present to those because the athlete or the coach um, hasn't um, shared this with you. So uh, the uh, orientation is something that we, or or the common ground is something that athletes and coaches need to update continuously. Otherwise, uh, you know, uh, it it will, it will not be helpful. It won't be useful.
1: Mm. Okay. Interesting. Uh, I can, I can remember some really strong relationships with people and I would say that probably sort of, but two ways. I'm not just saying that I, I felt that, um, but they were, they didn't have common ground of things that, oh, I like that too. We actually had a common ground of, I, I dislike that. And it was one of those things that we bonded over. Someone liked it a lot. Someone disliked it a lot, but it was, it was, it was probably at least an expression and an exchange of, of our thoughts and our preferences and our background and our, our interpretation of the world. And that was what bonded us.
0: Sure. Yes. It doesn't got to be that you, you know, the similarities that you understand that there is uh, some uh, dissimilarity in, in the ways that you view the world, but at least you know that this is how you view the world and how they view the world. So yeah, I think you're spot on there. I like that. Yeah
1: interesting so i'm i'm interested in so so closeness commitment complementarity and co-orientation and and commitments sort of moved from the outsider and it's moved up top of the pops it's moved up the sort of hit charts has is it is this a hierarchical or a prioritized list closeness being the most important commitment why is it second and not the bolt on at the end (laughs) Or have you just just thought, actually, it sounds better that way?
0: Yeah, uh, there's no priority or hierarchy or significance at all. Uh, We we perceive that all um, Cs are equally important. And um, it is just uh, how we used to kind of call them. And in fact, it is interesting that when when people change the order, I get a little bit fidgety. (laughs) (laughs) So, but this is just personal and... uh, I, I don't mind it clearly, but, uh, as long as uh, all uh, four are being uh, highlighted. But yeah, sometimes when people change the order, I do feel a little bit uh, strange.
1: Not not nearly as twitchy. I bet if you had closeness, commitment, reciprocity, and co orientation, we like with a crazy <laughs> R in the middle. I bet you're yes. going mad. Um, so, and, and how did you do this? So, so I'm just interested to know how you derived these. Is this a sense of, of talking to people and asking them what, what makes good? Mm. And I'm also interested as sort of a sub-question part of that is, are you asking them what would be good? I.e. they're telling you some things, but really what they're saying is some of these things are missing. <laughs> or is it, no, these are deterministic. If they are not there, it, it deteriorates the relationship or they facilitate when they are there
0: okay I'm not quite sure if I understand the question um so I'll, I'll start and, <laughs> and, and you know just put me back in there uh, where I need to be
1: um just tell me how how did you get how did you get to these and I'll, I'll okay. build on that
0: oh, brilliant yeah that, that is helpful thank you so uh, how we got to these uh, four Cs how did you get to understanding the relationship quality um like we are today. So the the first thing, just think, back in 1997, I was a PhD student and uh, I was trying to understand what is a relationship you know, how, how other colleagues, academics have um, defined a, a two-person relationship. Uh, and um, I, I was reading and uh, I read about closeness, I read about commitment. Uh, all of these constructs exist in, in various different um, um, disciplines of, of psychology, but clearly a little bit differently from how I, I have ended up uh, defined them. defining them. So I had a, a kind of... Um, A model in my head, having read that literature about two-person relationships. And then um, I went out to coaches and athletes and interviewed. And uh, I asked them um, questions like, um, you know, what is a relationship? You know, as open as that. And they will call it communication, this, that, and the other. Um, and, and, And then, to be perfectly honest, when I started, people... Did not have in their vocabulary the quote arthritis relationship. They did not. Mm-hmm. You know, when I talk about relationship, they said, um, What do you mean? You know, their heads will go into romantic relationships, not the coach athlete, the working type, the professional in inverted commas, the, uh, the sporting relationship that these two people, um, develop. So I I had to contextualize it a little bit so that they don't feel uh, intimidated or they don't misunderstand my work anyways. Um, uh, so, and, and then the the research I had read guided me a little bit in the questions that they ask, uh, that I asked. Um, so, as I said, uh, we interviewed for th- three, four, five, ten years, perhaps. We kept interviewing people to try to understand what the relationship is and always came back uh, to how the model it-, it is now. Oh, We can see all of these characteristic. People, coaches, for example, athletes will not tell you all of them, but they will tell you some of them. So that's how the model came to being. That's how the model kind of crystallized and how we, we have it now. And, you know, clearly, and I, I'm sure everyone will appreciate, we, we cannot capture everything. We have captured the main ingredients that um, define good quality relationships. By the way, we don't know what define a bad relationship. For example, um, Steve, if somebody has got low levels of respect or trust or like or commitment um, it doesn't mean that the relationship is bad. it means it's not good. Uh, and these things can be improved. Um, we know what you know a good positive relationship could look like in in degrees. But we don't know what a negative relationship, a bad relationship, look like in any of the degrees because we haven't got the constructs. If you if you see what I'm saying, uh, and that is important, I think to, you know, to appreciate and understand.
1: Mm. So it's not the it's not the inverse and the opposite that low I trust, don't think so. dislike, yeah. lack of appreciation, um, those those sense because, uh, or if I'm just playing. With the with the topic, forgive me here, but but there would be different ingredients because someone would it would feel toxic with an abuse of power, for example. Yes, where there isn't a positive version on your model here.
0: That's that's right. Yes. I I don't, I mean, you know, somebody who has got low trust, it may be because they haven't had the opportunity to get to know each other. They haven't had the time, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I I don't want to to determine that um, low closeness or low commitment or low complementarity um, determines a bad relationship, Uh, perhaps an ineffective one, but one that can develop um to, to 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 an effective relationship
1: yeah and um and how 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 are these components measured you mentioned statistical analysis and i see multiple regression a few in your uh, in your research studies is there a quantification of the importance Are are any more important than others as uh, determining factors of a good relationship
0: we, we have a, a measure um, um we've got a short and a long um kind of um uh, instrument uh, uh to to measure um, the the relationship quality to measure the uh, the the four C's um and um research our research highlights that um the three c's can actually predict different things um so you will be surprised if i said to you that Closeness seems to be a strong predictor of subjective performance. For example, if the athletes um, trust, respect, appreciate uh, their their coaches, um, they're likely to perceive that their training is going well, they perform really well, they feel competent, they feel motivated. Um, Complementarity, on the other hand, what we have seen is that it it does predict... um, uh, Things like, for example, uh, conflict. Uh, So the higher complementarity, or perhaps if I say the lower the complementarity, the more the chances for conflict. So we have seen some variations in what the three Cs predict, but I would say all three Cs are equally important in, in the bigger picture.
1: Mm. Can can I sort of lean in on that one then, around that conflict? Because I see it as a big theme in your research and re- researching conflict in relationships. And I think it's the sea of compass. So a further model. So uh, I've written them down. Conflict, openness, motivation, positivity, advice, support and social support or networking, I think it was. Um, conflict then. So how what what causes conflict? what have you seen that that are the initiators of conflicts to arise?
0: Um, so you mentioned compass uh, and it is important to say uh, here uh, the compass is a model that um, identifies key communication um, strategies that coaches and athletes can use to promote and enhance the quality of the relationship to promote and has the 3C. So how we build better relationships, you can use the compass to kind of navigate you to develop um, a, a better quality relationship. So uh, conflict management is one of them there because it is important if you manage conflict, if you're able to um, manage th- disagreements misunderstandings compatibility is more likely that you will have a, a, a good quality relationship now in terms of um, what are the sources of conflict mm. oh my gosh there are multitude there are so many uh, that uh, one can can say um it shall i say three <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I've I've got three in brackets on my notes on the computer that I've oh, okay. spotted in your research, so I'll <laughs> see if they match. Go on.
0: Let's see. But of course, you know. Okay. So I, I will say I, I will say three. So the selection is, uh, is 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 uh, one of them. Um. Uh, the the other one that I will say is a burnout and injury. It can cause a conflict and um, uh, and. Um, uh, lack of communication can be um, a third one um, in addition to that and to show how recursive uh, relationship quality and communication uh, uh, is um, relationship quality the better the relationship the quality the more communication and the right. more communication the better the relationship but also you can see it in other in in, in differently low communication um, you know low
1: levels of uh, relationship quality and, and vice versa. Okay. The, the three I <laughs> um, you had, different ones. The, the on. were, they were more situational than, than sort of an, an, an event. Okay. You sort of described. So there was uncertainty, escalation and problem oriented. So if something felt like it was uncertain for somebody, there's going to be differences of opinion. Sure. Escalation, if it's sort of run out of hand, to a certain degree, this is my interpretation, anyway. Um, or problem-oriented. We've got something that we need to solve, yeah. and we're going to have probably different views as to what the solution might be. That was the that was the uh, the ones I, I've I've just robbed that from your work. Um, yes,
0: and it is interesting because uh, you know if you think about it, every performance environment has got all of these characteristics. You know, uh, they you know exactly. the exactly you know that there is uncertainty, uh, there is complexity, there is uh, uh, ambiguousness uh, and so on and so forth
1: so um i would say i would go even further than that is that if you haven't got those you probably aren't creating an environment that is stretching people that is taking people to a higher level if it's going to be challenging it's going to be uh, an ambitious goal it's going to feel uncertain it's going to create problems it's going to make people feel a little bit like i'm not sure how this is going to go
0: Correct. Yes, and, and and then that brings me to this idea that conflict is not something that people need to be um, to to be fearful of, uh, to be afraid of, uh, to uh, to be avoiding it. You know, um, every opportunity that you see that may be conflictual, um, you need to grasp it and uh, uh, to to. To, to start being curious and uh, interrogated alongside the people involved uh, so approach a conflictual situation every time because that situation once you approach it you begin the journey to re- uh, resolving it yeah. and make, can make can bring people together and bring them a little bit closer as well
1: i love that word curious because it's such a, um it's such a reframe isn't it in the sense of it taking people from let's butt heads, let's argue, and let's get into a a, a combat situation, through to a, a state of wonder and and um, what could be, and diagnosing as opposed to it's me versus you. Um, are there any other strategies that you uh, support and and promote in your work with coaches that that help alleviate or potentially prevent uh, conflict or after it's happened uh, solving it again
0: well i i, I will just follow up what you just said um that in order to um Create a situation where you know you can have this type of conversation, uh, particularly where when there is conflict or there is uh, an element of failure or or, or a mistake, and, and you know, and you, you you want to approach it and you want to resolve it and, and and you want to get to the bottom of it. You need to create the conditions, uh, and openness is one other um, uh, communication strategy that we have within Compass, which is the second following conflict management. And, uh, and openness is about being transparent, is about being honest uh, uh, and allowing this flow of communication back and forth from uh, the coach to the athlete, the athlete to the coach uh, and, and other people that may be involved. But in addition to that, what I need to press is that uh, is this notion of psychological safety that we have just started uh, investigating, and we only have, as you know, three or four papers uh, published at the moment around psychological safety, which I think is a very pertinent uh, notion uh, and perhaps a little bit misunderstood. Uh, however, it is used quite openly and, and freely uh, within our our circles. So, uh, psychological safety is that um, notion, this idea that um, uh, we can speak up. Uh, we can share ideas, we can bring up uh, problems um, without fear of intimidation, hu- humiliation, embarrassment, or, 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 or any other bad um, consequences that will follow by being open, being transparent, being ourselves. Um, so psychological safety is, is very important. And, and we know from the research we have done that if psychological safety is something is something it is created and by the way uh, the coach I believe and this is what our research shows the coach sets the tone the coach needs to understand what psychological safety is and how it is um, uh, developed built created uh, so that you know the athletes feel free to express themselves um, so, psychological safety also promotes good quality relationships. So, it is another strategy. Openness and psychological safety together uh, can promote and enhance uh, good quality uh, connections and bonds between coaches and athletes. And also, we didn't mention, and I know we are coming to an end, so I don't want to miss out. No, let's keep going.
1: Thank no we can't we can't cut it short if you've got time let's keep going
0: i just wanted to to say that you know research shows and i I want coaches and athletes to hear it and whoever else uh, listens to 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 this um that there is evidence very strong evidence to indicate that the relationship that the coach and the athlete develop, that good quality relationship promotes performance not only subjective performance you know i i i perform well you know uh, Actual performance. We have found that we have uh, recently evidence that that leads to actual performance, actually performing better in competitions and um, also well-being. And well-being, we know, Steve, is so important nowadays. Uh, So the relationship gives that good feel factor to both the coaches and the athletes. Um, that you know it is worth doing what we are doing despite the fact that it is so arduous and intense uh, and and challenging uh, so i just wanted to make um, that um point so that ha- to highlight the significance and why we need to pay attention on developing better relationships
1: so that's interesting i saw um, some of the work that you've done with uh, uk sport around belonging and how it's facilitative of qualities such as creativity innovation collaboration progression and retention but you're saying it's not just those 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 good value habits and behaviors and and in the job work but actually it turns into results too faster higher stronger
0: that's right yes and that is wonderful isn't it I mean you, you we can you know take um- two boxes here you with just one uh, thing and i think you know le- let's let's be honest um developing good quality relationships is not an easy thing. It is complex and it takes time and it doesn't take just the coach to invest time, effort and energy in developing those relationships. Um, it takes the athlete and the athletes also need to understand the value of that relationship and uh, the input and the contributions that they need to make in order to make that relationship work for themselves. Um, but yes, you you're absolutely, absolutely right.
1: Well, I mean that's uh, that's so illuminating. It's also really um, affirming, because I think, and and transformational to, to a certain degree. Because I think for a long time, we we separate out behaviours and results, process and outcome, but yet sort of gets thrown in together when or it's just accepted well they're a toxic coach but they get results um or oh it's a sympathetic kind of point of view well they're a great coach but they don't get results and so actually hearing that those coach athlete relationship behaviors and nurturing that probabilistically at least it, it starts to turn into results i mean that's amazing to hear
0: Think, i think it is important um, and um, you know it it is evidence and th- there's more research we are, we are doing and uh, other research teams are doing uh, around the world uh, around this particular area which is relatively new I, I will say you know continues to be new there is so much scope that uh, we need to uh, you know that we need more research to do but um the, i wonder steve uh, whether these messages uh, from from academia for us actually penetrate practice uh, and the process and and the the coaching, Uh, how much of what we say and uh, what we have uh, manifested through the, the, the research is being heard, listened, understood and actually applied That that is the real question, and you know we're going back to those high-profile coaches, uh, and I can add Mel Marshall, Tracy Whitaker, Smith from uh, British Swimming and um, British Gymnastics, who have demonstrably uh, shown how important is the relationship um, between themselves and their athletes. Um, But you know, in the grand scheme of things, how how do how Coaches and athletes do it. I, I want to know: do they yeah. do it? Do they actually pay attention, or is it you know other things that uh, you know take more time and, and interest? Um, I, I'm I'm not sure.
1: I was going to ask you, <laughs> but I think the I think there's such a short termism in many sports, even even some of those longer burn sports like Olympic sports, where there is a a requirement to to get short-term results not just talking about the sort of five game cycle at a premier league manager and if you don't get results you're out and they're willing to burn millions of pounds on somebody who then is going to be in post for a short period of time potentially and so will revert to behaviors that do not manifest long term and so I I do I do think this is probably more of an issue at a CEO chair, uh, position that, that they have to, they have to transmit through an organization the importance of long-term coach behaviors, long-term coach development. Um, yeah. cause yeah. I don't really feel generally that the, the role of coaching, except for a few pivotal sports, big, big name sports is, is not given the same regard, as yeah. it should do it's not giving the same support development and so this sort of still got this sort of volunteer aspect when actually that means perhaps less quality less professional behaviors as a part of it so um yeah, yeah i yeah. mean it's an essential question really
0: it it is and and um, i i guess uh, i will agree with what you said it's is about the support that coaches get that um you know uh, in, in that particular area you know to kind of um raise their awareness their their understanding about the the importance mm-hmm. of uh, good relationships good leadership uh, good communication skills these are key characteristics uh, for for better coaching better performances uh, and, and i, I think there you know they are there is um, this movement that we want to win well as opposed to we want to win at all costs. Uh, but it doesn't start, uh, you know, at the performance level. Perhaps our conversation may, you know, sound as if you know we are focusing on performance. But I want from the grassroots, from the from the early, you know, stages of sport participation, coaches to understand that the way they lead, the way that they relate and communicate is absolutely paramount for for um, for these young people to maintain their involvement in their sport and engagement uh, in their sport for the long term
1: Mm, and have a positive experience of that positive Um, experience can can i just go back a a few steps sophia i'd love to ask you just about i think you turned up on complementarity on your model Um, your your advice for coaches to be able to support and challenge because conflict management is one thing there's probably a skill set and a a communication method that, that you're going to have to be able to deal with when it arises, um, but that's almost sort of the firefighting part. Support and challenge feels a bit more like creating the right positive uh, environment for to stretch people to make people feel valued. Um, what's your t- your top tips to be able to kind of get get that those those almost sometimes polar opposite qualities? R- balanced and and present in their coaching practice?
0: Yes, uh, that, that is a, another great question and a question that I have been thinking for a little while because we, we know that in, in high performance, um, but not exclusively, we need and the athletes know, need and require Uh, is for them to be challenged because how else will they improve? How else will they achieve their goals and aspirations and so on? Uh, So they need to be challenged. And and of course, they need to to be supported. Um, And those two things don't go actually, we we have separated them, but I wonder whether they are more together than than we make them. Um, I think what is the key for me is that um, those coaches who really truly understand, know their athletes inside out and athletes at the same time know that their coaches have nothing but their very interest at heart and and they have their back uh, and they're there to support them, are more likely to accept the challenge um, and I have heard Bob Bowman, for example, uh, speaking. Um, the coach of Michael Phelps and other many, actually, Olympic medalists, talking about that that knowing and understanding the athlete and how far they can uh, he can push them um, is important. So it goes hand in hand with um, having a connection with the athlete, which enables them to know and understand the coach sorry the athlete um uh very well and and therefore um helps them to know when how where what to do to stretch them hopefully that that mm. that 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 mm. helps but they they you know every time i speak to to an athlete uh, with regard to to challenge and support they will always say to me that they want their coaches to stretch them I have not heard one that says that uh, I don't want my coach to stretch, or uh, you know, or, or, or something else. The athletes won't expect, require their coaches to stretch them, but with sensitivity, uh, the, and the sensitivity is okay. They they know me, they understand me, and 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 they're able to to pick up those vibes. When the coaches push them, they know that they push them because it is now the time to be pushed to be stretched to be challenged
1: mm love that 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 um that resonates that resonates with me and i think that it speaks also to environments how we create environments whether it's just comfortable or whether it's a bit relentless and that sense of that pulse of it's not one or the other it's doing both well and i love that reframe of actually they're a bit closer than yeah. And they need to to be done. If you're going to stretch somebody, to be able to do that in a in a way that makes people believe, yeah. and feel as though you believe in them. That yeah, um, yeah.
0: Because at feel. the moment that you challenge the the athlete, actually thinks this is because they are supporting me because they want me yeah, to okay. be the best that they can be. So maybe there's something there.
1: Wow, brilliant! Look, I mean, I could talk to you ever. Um, it's such an interesting area and. I I just to be, you know back to your question your point about you know wh- why isn't this getting through well I think it is is starting to I think it, it is um, a slower burn than it needs to be but congratulations to you for pursuing this and the multitude of publications and and presentations uh, I know you are a reference point globally around this this work and um, congratulations to you because without you we wouldn't be having these sorts of conversations or trying to make things better for for athletes and coaches in the future. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Sophia. I really love the conversation.
0: Thank you very much for inviting me, uh, Stephen, for your kind words. I really thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. Thank you.
1: Wonderful. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. I really hope you enjoyed this week's conversation. Now, we've got plenty more to come. So if you'd like to support and champion us, then take the time to subscribe and leave a review on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, or wherever you tune in. You can also give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. All the links are in the show notes. So in the meantime, have a great week.